We're going to turn over to number three in the songbook. We're going to sing Amazing Grace. Amen. Don't sing it near enough. Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound. Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound. That makes a wretch like me. I was once lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. Our I first believe through many dangers, toils, and snares. I have already come. His grace has brought me safe apart, and grace will. Discussion. So, 
But anyway, pray for Bonnie. Pray for her that that, that gets taken care of. Others, anybody? We need to pray for Scott. Uh, we need to pray for Dan. Miss Nell is here this morning. Miss Nell, how are you? Well, we're, we're grateful for any that you get. Right. Well, we're praying it gets better. Praying for God to work in that. Well, that's that's a blessing. That's a blessing. Anybody else? Yes. I'm not sure I see a rare eye disease called you know, stenosis or something like that. So she didn't have to be a Okay. All right. So she can't do anything for her. She can't work. Very glad to meet vision and insurance and just covering it as a run. Right. Yeah. Pray for pray for our daughter Megan. Pray for Stephanie as well. She wouldn't ask for prayer, but she needs lots of prayer. She's her her autoimmune Kicking her tail lately, and she needs prayer. So pray and lift her up in prayer. Uh, anybody else? Anything else? Yes. Okay. All right. Anybody else got unspoken this morning? All right. Well, amen. That's a bunch of us. God knows those, you know. We don't have to voice them out loud. So let's take it all, and let's lay it at the feet of God, and let's ask him to deal with all this. Robert, lead us in prayer. Amen. You can be seated. over to number 42. Number 42, I'm saved by the blood of the crucified one. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. Thou ransom from sin and a new work begun. Sing praise to the Father and praise to the Son. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. Saved, saved. My sins are all pardoned. My guilt is all gone. Saved, saved. I'm saved by the blood of the crucified one. Saved. My sins are all pardoned, my guilt 
crucified one. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. The Father, he spake, and his will it was done. Great price of my pardon, his own precious son. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. Saved, saved, my sins are all pardoned, my guilt is all gone. Saved, saved, I'm saved by the blood of the crucified one. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. All hail to the Father, all hail to the Son, all hail to the Spirit, the great three in one. Till all the ransom churches got beat. 
Wednesday night service or Sunday night service. I can't remember which, but it was one of the two. It was me and Mama. And uh, she said, I wish you'd sing this song that you used to sing back over in Paris. I'm going to. I, I had planned to sing another one this morning, and she mentioned it last night, and I said, oh, yeah, I guess I'll do that one. Why you would love me 
Turn with me to 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. We'll begin there in verse 17 this morning. And I want to give you some. Uh, I want to give you some instruction and some help this morning. Teach you something from the Word of God. I, I know that most anybody's been saved for any any time has been around the Lord's Supper. Most of you have. I say some of you hadn't. My grandchildren are here this morning. We baptized them in this baptistry back here, but they attend over over at uh, Deport on Wednesday nights. Usually they're there, and uh, they've never taken the Lord's Supper. They're going to take the Lord's Supper with us this morning. <clears throat> but if you don't know all there is to know about it, I hope to get shed some light on that for you this morning. There's way more to this subject than I could cover in a Sunday morning. If we wanted to dig, we could go all the way back to the Passover meal, and we could go through all kinds of things, but we don't have that amount of time, so we're going to simplify, but yet we're still going to try to understand as much as we can this morning, because I want that for you. I want you to, to gain knowledge. The more Bible knowledge, the more you have, the more armor you have, the more, the more, the more uh, weapon you have against the enemy. And so it's good that we understand. And also the closer you draw to your Savior, the more you understand all the things that the Bible has for you. So I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer, and we're going to dig right into this thing, okay? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for mercy and grace most of all. We thank you for the blood that covers our sins and washes it away and cleanses us of all sin. And, Lord, we're grateful for that. Lord, we're thankful so much for our home in heaven. Thank you for the Spirit of God that lives within us. Pray, we pray today, Spirit of God, that you stir us up and you make us take a fresh look at our Savior. You make us uh, take a look back at our own self and examine ourselves and, 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 Lord, see if there be anything in us that needs to be repented of and confessed and cleansed before you. Lord, we just pray now that, you, Spirit of God, you might move around the room and stir in hearts and, and work in hearts, Lord. And, Draw people to decisions for you. Father, we pray as we preach over the airways, Lord. Holy Spirit of God, take hold of hearts sitting in their living rooms, in their in their vehicles, uh, flying on airplanes, and traveling, wherever they may be, Lord. You know. Lord, I pray, Father, today that the, where the Word of God lands, that it, Lord, that it have power and that it speak to hearts and draw people to Jesus. That's most of all what we want today, that people come to Christ, that people know the Lord, that people draw near to him. So I pray today that you bless the message, Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you that you inhabit the, the Word of God as it's preached. I pray you'd fill me from top to bottom and, and give me your power now. And I yield myself fresh to you, and I ask you, please, have mercy on me. Forgive my sins and fill me with your Spirit now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning there in verse 17, and we're going to go down through verse 34, the end of the chapter today. So let's get let's get right into it. The first three verses there, if you look there in your Bible, he's, Paul Paul has he wrote to him last week. He addressed uh, he addressed issues about uh, about appearance and things of that nature. But he's switching 
subjects, and he's going into he's going into dealing with them about the Lord's Supper. And he says, "Now in this, I declare unto you, I praise you not that you come together not for the better, but for the worse." For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must also be heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. And y'all probably say, what did he say? What in the world did he just say? Okay. He says, I'm going to tell you something. I declare this unto you. I'm going to, I'm going to, this is on my heart, and I'm going to let you, let you know what's on my heart. He said, I, I praise you not. I praise you not. He said that you come together. You come together not for the better, but for the worse. Paul said, listen, when y'all get together, it ain't good. When y'all get together, I'm like, y'all bad for each other. Isn't that something awful to say? Well, when the church meets, y'all just y'all are bad for each other. But that was the case there. Again, we're talking for those who, who are not familiar with, with the situation. This is the city of Korea. This is over in, 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 in the Middle East. I'll put it that way. It's south of Europe. Uh, down around the Greece and that area. The Corinth is a very, very powerful, wicked city. It has... It, full of pagans that worship false gods and, temple, and pagan temples. And so <clears throat> all these people got saved out of that lifestyle, and a lot of that lifestyle still remains in these people. And it's just like some of us, we still have some of our family ways in us that we know belong there. We know God would have us to separate from some of the things that our family may have found just normal, but we know that God doesn't. So, you know, it, it's no different from them. It's just a different set of people in a different set of circumstances, but it's very similar. All right? He, he, he said, you come together not for the better, but for the worse. And today, too many believers are disobedient to Hebrews 10.25 altogether, which says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And he says, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching, the Lord's coming, and we need to be we need to be more faithful to the house of God as the day is approaching. Because, listen, we're going to heaven. We're going to be there every. We're going to be there for an eternal day. So we might ought to get used to coming to the house of God and being in worship with God. But he says, when y'all come together, it just messes y'all up. It just, it's not good. He says, I ain't got any good thing good to say about it. And, and he said, I hear that there be divisions among you. And a large part of the problem with the gatherings of the Corinthian church was that there was divisions among the church, something that Paul had heard and, and he could believe knowing the history and the character of these Christians, okay? He'd already spoke to them about this problem of division in, in 1 Corinthians 1, 10, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 17. Let me see if I can look over real quick. I didn't mark that down, but let me turn to it real quick. He talked to them about divisions. Uh, so, yeah, 10 through 7, he said, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind, in the same judgment, for it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are at the house of Chloe. So this woman, Chloe, has wrote Paul a letter telling him that there are contentions among People are fighting at the church. Can you believe that? People come to church, they get in arguments and fights. That's amazing, huh? 
He said, no, I've seen it happen. I've honestly witnessed a fight in the middle of a business meeting in a, in a Baptist church. I saw I saw a guy get up and sling a set of keys across a room and hit a woman in the head with them in the church house. He said, how do you, what do you do out of that after that? Richard, after the guy left, Richard got up and we sang Amazing Grace and we went home. <laughs> that's, what, that's the way we handled that. I learned some things. There's some things you don't know what to do but sing Amazing Grace and go home. But, uh, you know, you turn it over to God and you pray about it. But anyway, in this church, it was fighting to carry it on. And, 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 he, and he said, now this I say that every one of you say, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, I'm of Christ. And he goes on to talk about, listen, these people are saying, well, I like this preacher. And I said, well, no, I like this preacher. That's kind of like somebody said, well, I'm a Cowboys fan. Somebody else said, well, I, I like the Reds, or the, the Redskins. They ain't no Redskins. I like the Eagles. You say, well, I can't believe you like the Eagles. I can't believe you're a Cowboys fan. And back and forth you go. Okay, well, that's the way these people are doing old preachers. Silliness. And Paul had already heard about that. He said, I hear that. I've not heard about all that stuff. And, and again, and, and this is more than theological. This is more than just, this, this is the way that, that to deal with problems. This is practical. Uh, they, they've, got, they've, got, they've got to deal with their problems. They've got some serious issues, all right? But it goes deep. It's not, it's not just on the, it, I mean, this is, it's, a, it's a physical problem. They can't get along. And it's also become a spiritual problem. And he says there must also be heresy. Okay? And we and we usually think of heresies as as nothing but a problem. First Corinthians three three, the Bible says, For ye are yet carnal. Y'all are in your flesh, y'all are like a bunch of worldly people. For where is there is among you envying Y'all are jealous of each other and strife. You're fighting with each other. There's divisions. Y'all can't get along. You're carnal and walk as men. Y'all are acting like everybody else out there outside the church. So he's he's revealing here in this verse a purpose that God has in allowing heresies. He says that they which are approved, in other words, those who are serving God faithfully, those who are walking according to the word of God, may be made manifest among you. In other words, you can see these loonies over here acting crazy, and you see these people over here that are serving God. You can see there's a difference. So God allowed these people to get nuts on the, on the side so everybody could go, well, we don't want to be like that. I mean, that's what Paul's simply saying there. Now, he goes from that, and he goes straight into this, verse 20. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, every one taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. What, have you not houses to eat and to drink in, or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say unto you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. <clears throat> now, we need to understand what he's talking about again. Uh, he's talking to a church, and they know exactly what he's talking about. He says, when ye come together, therefore into one place. This is not to eat the Lord's Supper. What Paul is saying in that verse, he's referring to the early church's custom of coming together, and, and they would eat a love feast, okay? In other words, a fellowship meal. They would all get together. And they would all gather around, and they would sit, and they would eat. They would they would basically go through the Passover meal, 
similar to what what Lord did at the, in the upper room, where they took the bread and the cup and all that. They would go, and there was herbs and different things in along with that meal. That I know I don't have time to go through all that stuff and the significance of it. But they would they would eat a big meal, okay? And at the end of that meal, then they would take the bread and the and the cup, and they would have the Lord's Supper at the end. They did that because that's kind of how the Lord did it that night. But the problem was it wasn't working that way for them because you didn't have disciples who walked with Jesus for three and a half years who were faithful to the Lord sitting around the table. You had a bunch of heathens, former heathens, I should say, not heathens, but a bunch of former heathens, and you had some Jews and some heathens, and they, uh, I say some Jews and some Gentiles, and they, and they, they did it different because they were messing things up. Again, this is a fellowship meal that they're getting together to have. And they're, and, and they're also having the Lord's Supper. He said, everyone taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. What in, why? What in the world? What's going on there? Well, I'll tell, tell you what's happening. When they got together to eat a fellowship meal, they acted selfishly at the fellowship meal. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen anybody do this. I have over the years. Go through the line and pile their plate up as high as they can possibly pile it. Going back with a plate like this, you're like, my gosh, you can't eat all that? What in the world? I sit over there and look and just like, are you serious? You you clean out half the dish. Now, I ain't seen that since I've been here, but I have seen that in the past. So, you got selfish believers at the fellowship meeting. And their selfish behavior there disgraced their observance of the Lord's Supper. They're not in a spiritual mindset. They're, they're doing things in a very carnal mindset. Uh, groups of carnal believers, they done formed cliques in the church. Again, I like this guy. So all the people that like this guy, they all sit over this table. And all the guys that like that guy, they all sit over that table and they talk about each other the whole meal. Carnal. Fleshly. And they thought that and they thought, well, that they're better than us believe. They we're better than they are. And you got and you got people there in this church who are wealthy and they're coming and they're they're I see it like this in my mind when I read this. You got a bunch of well to do snobs sitting at a table over here. They've got they've gotten up to the table first. They've got the best cuts of meat. They've got the best of everything. They've got it all set out for them. They're all huddled up, and they're eating, and they got way, they haven't got most of the food, so you've got people who come in after them, and they're like, well, there's not much left to eat. And so they're sitting there with nothing on their plate. Maybe they got a few pieces of herbs and a and, and, and piece of bread, and that's all they got. And yet they're over there feasting on the big plate full. Now, we're not talking about the Lord's Supper yet. We're talking about the fellowship meal. Paul's fussing at them about the way they're acting at the fellowship Again, because you got, again, you got, you got these well-to-do, big-shot, fancy people who think, well, they're big and they're important because they like this preacher or that preacher or whatever. And, and, and not only are they taking more than their share, feeling more entitled because, hey, they're, they're important people, but they're also drinking. They're drinking. I mean, they're they're slamming them down, and they're over getting drunk, getting intoxicated. And that's what Paul said. He said, "One's hungry, and another's drunken." 
mean, can you believe it? It's a church function. Now, the worst thing I've ever seen years ago, when I, was, I guess I was in my 20s, we were sitting at a fellowship meal one one time, eating, and a guy pulled out a pack of Marlboros and packed them down, put one in his mouth, and lit it up. Forgot He forgot where he was at. He thought he was in the cafe. And his wife like this. Like this. Killed him right there on the spot. <laughs> now, that was an accident. I know he just said a mind slip, but these people wouldn't slip in their mind. They were just over drinking. And, and I don't know if they brought their own liquor in or what, but Paul said they were drunk. And I know that the cup doesn't have anything to do with alcohol when we come to the Lord's table. But yet they were drinking alcoholic wine and getting drunk there. So what do you see about that? I see that they, they have a total disregard for the ordinance of the Lord. They have a total disregard for the picture of the Lord's Supper, which pictures the blood of our Lord Jesus, which was poured out for our sins, the body of our Lord Jesus, which was broken for our sins. <coughs> they have a total disregard for that picture. You know, when you think about you think about the way the Lord's, church, uh, the Lord's Supper is, is, is observed in modern churches, you know, it's, it's it's mostly celebrated in a in an atmosphere of dignity. People people try to be respectful, but these these Corinthians Christians, man, they they came from a culture where the pagans uh, they they commonly had wild riotous banquets, and I mean to honor their pagan gods. So they're used to that. They're used to wild revel reveling in in like a bar room. That's the kind of environment that they were used to. The what I mean, I don't, some of y'all never been in a bar room. I wish to say I had never been, but I have, and I've seen the way people act in there, and it's rowdy as all get out, and that's the way these people were acting in the Lord's church. <clears throat> and, and and again, that's that's how it might not seem so strange to them to get drunk at the meal, because again, they've been used to seeing that their whole life. So they're in, they're in the church now. It's not much different. They just they. Different location, they're doing some of the same things. And you say, how could they do that? Aren't they saved? Listen, I was saved for a long time before I got uh, got a lot of the ways I used to be out of them because they were ingrained. And so these people have just got more horrible things in their life than most of us do because they grew up in that culture. Not to say we don't have horrible things in our lives because some of us do. But what I'm saying is the American culture is a little different from the heathen culture of the Corinthians. But he he asked him. He says, he said, what's the deal? What have you not houses to eat and drink in, or despise you the church of God? He said, y'all lost your cotton picking minds coming up here to the church and acting this way. What's wrong with you? Do y'all hate the Lord's church? He said, despise you the Lord's church. Do you hate God's work? Do you hate what He's doing here? Why are you even coming? You hate it. I mean, coming up here acting a fool and making a mockery of everything. Are you not trying to mock the poor, something like that, getting all the food and then looking at them with all your big plates full, what all you got? Paul didn't have anything good to say about it. Nothing. Now I want you to skip over verse 23 through 26. Well, let's read it, but we'll go back to it at the end. Here's, here's, here's what Paul said about actually the Lord's Supper. He said, For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you. So what God gave me, I gave you exactly what he gave me, that the Lord Jesus, he's talking about the night that Jesus was crucified, the night before Jesus was crucified, the, night, the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. I don't think I ever pushed the button. Okay, goodness. I said that thought from the middle. I said, oh, no, I messed up. But anyway, that's the text that we use when we we have the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. I want to give you seven thoughts on the Lord's Supper this morning. Seven thoughts on this, and then we'll wrap this thing up. Because I want you to understand what this meal is about. I want you to understand what it is when we take the Lord's Supper. There's so much more to it than just chewing up a piece of, uh, of, of bread and, and swallowing a little grape juice. There's so much more to that. I want you to look there in verse 26. It's a commemorative meal, okay? When we sit down and have the, Lord, when we have the Lord's Supper, it's a commemorative meal. It's to remind us. It reminds us of his sacrificial death. Again, when we, when we look at the Lord's Supper and, and we hold it in our hand, that little piece of bread... It, it, it doesn't have any. It doesn't have any rise to it. And there's a reason it doesn't have any rise to it. It's not like a muffin or a roll or a slice of bread. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't rise at all because there's no yeast in it. And the reason there's no yeast in it is because all through the Bible, yeast, especially the Old Testament, yeast is a picture of sin. That's why we don't use baked bread with that that has been that is rolled. Uh, I, I've been in places where they use regular yeasty bread, and I think to myself, these people have no clue what they're doing. Either that or they don't care. They're making a mockery of it. I've seen people use alcoholic wine and yeasty bread, and again, they're they're calling Jesus a sinner by what they're doing. They're, they're exactly, they're saying Jesus was a sinner. They have turned the whole point of being there on its head when you make Jesus look like a sinner in his own church. But yet people do that because they don't understand what they're doing. We don't use alcoholic wine when we when we pour these cups. There's a reason. Again, alcohol is a picture of, of sin, of leaven, yeast is in it, the fermentation process. And again, it's a picture of sin. Jesus was not a sinner. His blood was perfectly pure. He had no sin in him whatsoever, and therefore he could die a sacrificial death, an atoning death, a redemptive death on the cross, paying the price that you and I could never pay. He paid it all for us. That's why we sing, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe sin and left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. And when we when we take that little piece of bread in our hand, that cup in our hand, and we eat that bread and we drink of that cup, we're reminded of what Jesus has done for us in washing our sins away. And not only is it a reminder, but it's also a visual sermon that you and I preach. We are we are testifying. I believe in the body and the blood that was broken and shed for me on the cross of Calvary. When we take those elements, we are preaching visibly to each other. I believe that Jesus did that for me. It's not us getting saved. It's just us reminding ourselves and others what we believe. So it's a commemorative meal. Number two, it's a covenant meal. It's a covenant meal. 
Covenant means an agreement, promise. A covenant meal, it's a renewal of promise. It's what this meal is. We come back to the Lord's table. We come back to it. Matthew 26, 28, listen to Jesus. Jesus says, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for the for many for the remission of sins. That means the, the payment. The, the, the forgiveness of sins, that our sins may be washed away and cleansed and gone forever. That's why the blood was shed. And he, Christ told us that. It's a promise to us. If we believe on the saving blood of Jesus Christ, our sins are washed away. Amen? And so it's a renewal. We call, it's not that we get saved again. We don't ever get saved again. You get saved once. But we come back to that. We come back to the Lord's Supper and renewal of that promise. Say, Lord, I, I, I'm so thankful for what you did for me. I, I want to thank you again for what you did. And, Lord, I want to serve you. And it's Christ saying, I did it and I'd have done it a thousand times for you. I, I, you, you were the only one I'd have done it for you. It's him saying, he, he said, that promise will never change. And me saying, I believe that promise will never change. It's a renewal of that promise. Luke 22, 20. Likewise, he said, likewise it said also the cup. He took the cup. He didn't call it wine. He called it the cup. After supper, saying this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. And we, re- re- we reconfirm that covenant when we take the Lord's Supper. We sing in our songbook, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. We are. We, we're, this, this body, like I talked about, that carries us around. It's a body of sin. Paul said, who shall save me from the body of this death? Because he hated his flesh. I told God yesterday, Lord, I just hate my flesh because I don't want to do what it wants to do. But it, it wants to do things that I don't want to do, and it gets in the way, and it causes me problems, it causes me grief. God, please help me. I, I, I tell you, I struggle with my flesh. I know you probably do too. We all do. Because we hate the fact that this flesh holds us back and keeps us down. And praise God, someday we'll lose it. We'll have a new body and won't ever have to fool with sin again. Hallelujah. What a day that will be, truly. Romans 12, 1 and 2, again, renewing this purpose, this promise that we have in in God. Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, Paul says, I beseech you, I plead with you, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In other words, again, we, 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 are, uh, we are drawn away from, from God. We're drawn to this world. We are, the world tries to conform us to it. I mean, listen, we, we have all these things around us. People talk about Me Too and cancel culture and all this stuff. And if you if you and political correctness and I know it doesn't really hit us hard where we live, but I'm gonna tell you I'm sitting in a bank I'm sitting in a bank uh, uh, loan officer's office the other day talking to him, and he kept trying to be politically correct when he talked to me, and I said, man, you quit that, don't care. He said, I, I, I know I know I, but I got but I got to do it I got to do it, and 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 he and he'd tell me he's a bad too, just like me. I said, well, he said, just like you. And I thought, boy, you're not one just like me because I ain't going to sit there and be politically correct and cow down to somebody else. Hey, Amen. I know he's got a job. But you see, all, uh, money, a billfold, it gets more important than God. Money, a dollar bill becomes your God, becomes your idol. 
amen, and he gets drawn away and conformed into the world. But God says, he, he tells us to come out from among them. He tells us not to be in that. He tells us to present our bodies to God. So what are we doing when we come back to the Lord's table? We're coming back. We're saying, Lord, here I am. And I, I ain't been all out there. And I want you to, I want you to, I want, I want to get right with you, Lord. I want, I want things in my life to be right. I want my heart right. I'm coming to this table to remind myself of what you did for me on the cross. And, Lord, I don't want to come with a dirty heart. Lord, I want to come and, I want to come and get right with you. I want things to be right in my heart when I meet with you. And there's a reason for that, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Ephesians 4, 20 and 20 through 24, it says, But you have not so learned Christ, if so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man. Quit living the way you used to, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Your, your, your flesh will lie to you and tell you it's okay, but it ain't okay because it ain't okay with God. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man. In other words, live like a Christian ought to live, which is after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So it's, again, it's a, it's a renewal. It's a covenant meal. It's coming back to that covenant and examining it and realizing that we Christ has given us something he, can, he will never take away, he will never break and, and, and we ought not walk away from him either. We need to come back and get right with him. Three, third thing, it's a Christ-filled meal. Christ-filled meal. Verse 24, look at that one. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. He said, This is my body. Okay? When he take, he had the bread in his hand. He was at the meal. He's at the he's at the Last Supper, the night before he's crucified. And he picks up he picks up the bread and he holds it up. He says, This is my body. Now wait a minute. Let's deal with this for a second. <laughs> Two blocks away in the Catholic Church this morning, people are coming down front, they're getting on their knees. And they're going, ah, sticking their tongue out. Y'all ever seen that before? And the priest is going to hold out a looks like a spat, wooden spatula and hold it under their tongue, and he's going to drop a wafer on their tongue while they're going, ah, like that. I don't know if they make that noise, but I picture they do. <laughs> but they, they're going to eat this moon wafer, and they call it the Eucharist. But they call the but, – but then the priest is – he takes this. He takes this cup of alcoholic wine, and he holds it up, and he says his little incantation or whatever. And then they believe. They really believe that when that priest blesses that that moon wafer and the alcoholic wine, that it literally, literally, really, literally becomes the blood and body of the Lord Jesus Christ, which makes essentially you accountable in a Catholic church, eating a bl- the blood and body of blood. That's what they believe. And they believe that saves part of it. I know y'all are quiet as y'all can be because you're like, really? They really believe that? They really believe that. They call it transubstantiation. They had to put a big, long word on something that ignorant. Okay? That is not what the Bible teaches. I'm sorry, but the Bible does not teach us. When Jesus said, this is my body, he's sitting there with a table full of Jews, okay? And they were not confused by what he said. 
Jesus is seated with them. They didn't think he's sitting there in that chair and he's also on the table. He's in both places. He said, this is my body, so that must not be his body. Oh, that, that's his body here and he's holding his body. No, they weren't confused. They realized that he's teaching them. They discerned this is symbolic teaching. Okay? He's using symbolism when he says, this is my body. He's the bread of life. Amen? He is the bread of life. Now, another time in John 6, 48 through 68, and I ain't got time to read 20 verses to you in five minutes, so I'm going to make it brief. I'll just put it to you this way. Another time he's ascribing to a bunch of believers how, how that his his blood and his body, that they are to partake of his blood and his body. And what he's, what he's simply saying is they are to receive me. They're to believe on me. When he says that about his body and his blood, when receiving that, he doesn't mean that we're cannibals, that we start eating blood, uh, eating blood and flesh. No, he says when you receive this, it's symbolic of you receiving me. And he was trying to explain that to a bunch of Jews in, in John 6. And they all said, this is crazy, and they turned around and walked off. They didn't say it's crazy, but they said something similar. They couldn't handle what he was saying, and they walked away. And the Bible says they were offended, and they went back and walked no more with him. They just gave up. Now, you contrast that with Romans 1.16. Here's what Paul said. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, if you look up, look over one page there in the Bible where he talks about this is my body, you'll see the answer to why, what he meant when he said that. Chapter 12, verse 12. He says, for as the body is one, in other words, got two arms, got one head, two feet, two legs, but it's all one body. For as the body is one and hath many members, different, I got all ten fingers, ten toes, all that, two ears, two eyes. He said, one body being many, Members of that body being many are one body, so also is Christ. So again, he's using he's using this picture. We're all one body. We come together as one body. We're the body of Christ. The church is his body. And we are to come together and we take this element, this bread, we are it's a picture of us receiving and believing on Christ. It's not actual doing it, but it's a picture. It's a reminder meal of we have believed on Jesus who shed his blood and his body broken for us. And that's exactly what he means. This is my body. It's a community meal. It's the church communing with Christ. We are together because of him, joined together because of him. 1 Corinthians 10, 17 for we being many are one bread and one body, and we are all partakers of that one bread or that one loaf. Listen, we are partakers of Christ. I came to him for salvation, and he gave me everything I needed that satisfied my longing for salvation. When you came to him, you got enough. There was plenty for you, and your soul was filled to the brim with salvation. You got all you needed in Christ. And because we've all eaten that spiritual bread, we all are one loaf. We're all part of him. That makes sense. It's a meal we can't have alone. Amen? Because, again, we're to fellowship in this. It's a community meal. It's meant to be a body coming together physically and spiritually. 
and we're remembering him together. Look at verse 25. He said in the last of that verse, this do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. So when we do this here in just a little bit, we'll be remembering what the Lord Jesus has done for us. And not only that, verse 26 tells us that as oft as ye do this, you do show the Lord's death till he come. We'll proclaim him together when we take the, when we take the cup and, and eat of the bread. We'll be proclaiming and saying, I believe, I trust Jesus. I have believed on the Savior. I'm a child of God, and I want others to know I'm not ashamed. And when we come together to do this, we show that we are one body. We are one church. And what else? Again, this is us communing together. But we ought to be one together. So that's also something we don't normally practice, but we should. If there's somebody in this room that's got a, some chip on their shoulder, gets somebody else in this room, and, and every time you see them, it aggravates you. You know what? You need to go to them and get right. You need to go to them and confess your sins, confess your faults one to another. The Bible tells us we're to do that. If there's something between you and somebody else, a grudge, uh, you ought to get it right. You ought to go to them and not hold on to that thing. You ought to let go of it, amen, so that we, we don't have anything hindering us when we, when we come together. Ephesians 4, 3 says we are endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. So when we come together, there ought to be peace. We ought to be in agreement. Fifth, the continual meal. Again, as often as you do it, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. Consider this. When somebody gets baptized, what do we say? I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, buried together with him in the likeness of his death and raised to walk in newness of life. We're picturing the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord. Preaching the gospel every time we baptize somebody. That only happens once in a believer's life. Only once can you can you proclaim Christ through baptism. But you know what? You can do it this way over and over and over again. This ordinance keeps repeating and repeating and repeating and repeating and repeating until we meet until we meet and sit down with Jesus. Amen. Number six. It's a that's the word word tangles me up. It's a contemplative meal. Contemplative. I don't know if you say it contemplative or contemplative. I don't know. But it's us contemplating. We are to meditate or think on what we're doing. And what are we what are we to contemplate? We're to contemplate a coming day. As we sit down here to, uh, together and eat this meal together and share in the Lord's Supper, we're to contemplate a coming day when we're going to sit down with the Lord himself. And the Bible said he'll gird himself and he's going to serve us. Jesus, can you imagine all of us? I, I picture, you know, we get back here in a fellowship, man, we all sit around the table and everybody's around, sitting around there in that horseshoe or whatever. Well, someday in heaven, I don't know what the seating arrangement's going to look like, but Jesus is going to, oh, won't he be busy? Think about how many people will be there. Man, I mean, Jesus be quick, though. I guarantee you, Jesus had you get up and on the table quick, whatever you want. But the Bible says He's gonna serve us, and 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 we're all gonna sit around and we're gonna we're gonna eat this meal with Him there, and it's gonna have a greater, deeper significance than it ever had on this earth. Amen. When we get there, every picture, every type, every foreshadowing, everything in the Bible that, that, that encompasses. The, 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 all the way back from the Passover in Egypt, all the way forward to the Lord's Supper, all of that will all make sense and it will all be crystal clear and we'll sit there in awe of Jesus. 
Luke 22:18, Jesus said, For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. John 14, 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And he's coming. And, and we're going. We're going by him. Amen. And we'll sit down with him in that kingdom. And we'll, we'll drink and eat with him. And seventh, it's a coming home meal. Coming home meal. It's a coming home to fellowship meal. Amen. You know, families don't get together like they used to. But when I was a kid, man, we'd get together and everybody would show up. People didn't have many places to go back then, I guess. Didn't have, everybody didn't have a cell phone that was looking looking at all the time and, and had a landline so they weren't constantly talking to somebody and texting somebody. So they was they had time to go and sit and spend time with people. And, you know, when we come in here, all that business all stop. We ought, set, we ought to have time to fellowship and spend with one another. But I thought about sometimes... When you got a family gathered like this, you got one wayward child in the family. You don't ever know if they're gonna show up, and a lot of times they don't know if they want to show up because they don't want to know how everybody treat them and react to them. And you know, boy, it sure is good when they show up and in a good mood. Everybody's friendly and everybody's loving on everybody, and 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 nobody fusses, nobody fights. Everybody gets along, has a good time together. You know. I think that's a picture of how it ought to be when people come into the house of God to have a, have the Lord's Supper together. We ought, to, we ought to lay aside, like the Bible says, every weight and the sin was just so easily beset us. We ought to come in here and we ought to get things right between us and God so we can fellowship with Him. Amen? Now listen, it's about fellowshipping with Him. It's about opening the door of welcome to God and saying, Lord, I want you back stirring in my life daily. I want I want your presence with me. It's about coming home to restore. Maybe some things are not what they used to be with you in your walk with God because sin has got in between you and God, and you need to confess that stuff and get it out of the way. It's coming home to get right. It's coming home to get clean. It's coming home to get things straight between you and God so the fellowship is restored. Let's cover a couple more verses, get down to the end, and we'll, we'll have the Lord's Supper. Verse 27 and 28. It's very, very important that we understand this. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Now, what is he talking about? He's warning them because of the way they've been. He's warning them because of their actions that he's talked about. He wasn't proud of them at all for it. He's telling them that they're to come to the Lord's table with reverence, and they're to practice it in a spirit of self-examination, looking at their lives, not worrying about what somebody else has done or how they're living, but their own selves. It's not, but I want you to understand something. It's not written with the thought of keeping ourselves from the Lord's table but of preparing ourselves to receive the elements of the Lord's Supper with the right heart. Now, the word unworthily there in verse 27, drink of this cup, the Lord, unworthily, that, that, that tends to make some Christians believe that they 
somehow can make themselves worthy to receive communion, or that if they've sinned, they're unworthy to come and and remember what Jesus did on the cross for them. But that's not so. You're not unworthy to to come and, and remember what he's done for you. It's a misunderstanding. Because if anybody needs to remember what Jesus did on the cross for them, it's somebody who's in sin. When we are repentant, our sin drives us to the Savior. That's what repentance does. That's a change in our heart. And, and that's what, again, that's what take, moves us to his side. But if a Christian is living in sin and they're stubbornly unrepentant, they're mocking what Jesus did on the cross by living that way. He died on the cross to pay for your sins. And if you're willing to go on and live in your sin and not, not bothering you at all, something's wrong. But I want you to understand, we can never make ourselves worthy. You can't, from right here, you cannot do something to make yourself worthy of what Jesus did for you on the cross. You never will be worthy of what Jesus did for you on the cross. He did it because of his great love for you, not because of your worthiness. And as we take the bread and the cup today, you shouldn't sit there and stare at the floor trying to struggle to find some feeling of worthiness. That's not what God wants from you. I have done that in the past. I've sat there trying to conjure up some grief in me. Why can't I feel more sorry for my, you know, I mean, listen, that's not how God wants me to be. So I can't I can't come up with the, the feeling, that some feeling or something. Here's what I want you to get. We are worthy to come to the Lord's table once we realize we're unworthy. Does that make sense? I feel anybody ought to be able to eat that day, that ought to be me. No, that's the wrong attitude, man. You say, I, I, I feel bad even taking the Lord's Supper because I know what I am. I know how I've been. God, forgive me. And you're ready. And you're ready. We remember, listen, that he has made us worthy. Amen? We couldn't come. We couldn't come to him. He made us worthy to come to him. So he said, let a man examine himself. Again, just do an honest appraisal of yourself and, 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 and see as we receive communion, we're, we're, we're conducting ourselves in a way that's honoring to the Lord. We need to examine ourselves. And the Bible says, but then let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. So, so we're, we're, to, we're to check it out, and once we check it out, we're to confess it to God, and then, we're to, and then we can take of the cup. It's not to keep people away from the table of communion but to prepare them to receive it the right way. Let's finish this up. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. I used to get scared to death when I read that verse, and I don't know why if I read down three more verses, I'd have got it. Listen to the rest of it. Okay, but let me read it all together. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. That word damnation there, it doesn't mean Burning in hell forever and ever, it means judgment, God's judgment on him. Okay? And here's how I know that, because keep reading. For this cause, because people are eating and drinking it unworthily, because they would come to the Lord's table drunk and all full, swole up from having kept other people from eating what they ought to eat, they were very, very carnal, uh, wicked-minded people, and yet they were coming and eating the Lord's 
eating at the Lord's table, the Bible says, for this cause many are weak and sickly among you. Well, something they got they caught some disease and don't know where it comes from. Uh, something's got on them and they don't know what they got. Or, and he said, and many sleep. That don't mean many are at the house with the covers over their head. That means they're in the yard with the dirt over them and a stone up over their head. You say God kill people? God take your life. The Bible said it's sin unto death. There's a line out there somewhere you don't want to cross. You want to get right with God. You don't want to just keep running, running like a dog beside a car with your ears pinned back, forgetting that there's a there's a there's a reckoning out there. God's only going to put up with it so far. And there's a point where God says that's enough. Get right now, or if it's take you home. So again. He said if we would judge ourselves, if we, in other words, confess our sins and get right with God and not just live how we want to live, we should not be judged. God wouldn't have to whip us if we'd act right, in other words. But when we are judged, when God does get on us, he says, we are chastened of the Lord. That means he takes us out back and he whips the fire out of us. We should not be condemned of the world. Listen, God, we're not going to, I'm going to be washed in the blood of Jesus. I've been saved by the grace of God. And I'm going to confess to you, I have not lived a good life all my whole life since I've been saved. I have done things I'm ashamed of since I've been saved. I have fell down and got up like he said you how many times. Amen? I still fall down and get back up. And I'm sure you do too. As believers, we all do. Amen? And when I fall down, I grieve over it. And I ask God to forgive me. And I ask for him restoring grace. And I keep on going. Okay? But if I just give up on it and I quit, and I just say, you know what? I'm done with this preaching. I'm going to go live how I want to live. I, I, you know, I used to want to be a country music star. I'm like, I'll go back to the honky-tonks and sing. And play. You know, I could do that, but I guarantee you it wouldn't be long until my life fell to complete pieces. And, and if I didn't change and turn around, God killed me. I believe that with all my heart. Either that or he, either that, I'd be such a miserable wretch. Wouldn't nobody want to be around me. We have a calling on us. We, we belong in a family. God wants us to come home. God wants us to get right with him. So Paul finishes up here in verses 33 and 34. He says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, when ye come together to eat, carry one for another. He says, When y'all come have a fellowship meal, listen, be nice to each other. Treat one another right. And if anybody gets hungry, hey, listen, let him eat at home. Why don't y'all, he, y'all, he said, listen, I fix this. Why don't y'all just sit and have a fellowship meal doing that together? Why don't y'all just eat at home? Everybody just eat at home. He's not saying there's anything wrong with the fellowship meal. He's saying, but don't do it in the Lord's Supper at the same time. If any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you come not together under condemnation, so that this problem doesn't continue. And he said, and the rest I will set in order when I come, and we don't know what the rest is, and God didn't want us to know the rest. He told us the rest. Amen. But what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to take the Lord's Supper this morning, and, uh, and that's between you and God. I, I put it that way. It's between you and God. It's not between me and you. And and if there's something in your life that ain't right, then I, I, we're going to have prayer before we do. We're going to seek God. We're going to ask God to work in our hearts and make us ready to take the Lord's Supper. And then I'm going to we're going we're going to pass the elements and we're going we're going to take the Lord's Supper. So let's go to the Lord in prayer this this morning or this afternoon. Let's ask God, Father, I just come before you now, and I and I best I know how. Lord, I ask you, please, forgive me of my sins. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would do a cleansing work in me. Lord, I know that I know I fail you so often. 
And, Lord, I know the devil constantly throwing temptations at me and constantly trying to put things in my way to trip me. Lord, give me grace. Help me to walk. Help me to be pleasing to you. Lord God, cleanse me. Wash my sins away. Father, help me to walk uprightly before you. I want to be wholly and completely yours. Lord, I want my life to honor you. So, Lord, I pray, Father, that the Holy Spirit of God would lead me, guide me, and keep me from sin. And, 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 and Lord, help me and strengthen me in my times of weakness. Lord God, I pray that you bless this, this, this communion. Lord, I pray that as we come to this Lord's table, Father, that we would be honoring to you. And, Lord, that, that our thoughts would be of Calvary. Our thoughts would be of, of our forgiveness of sins, of us being washed clean. Lord, may we go back in our mind to that, to that day, to that place we were, and remember what happened there. And may we give you glory for what you've done in our life. And, Lord, we'll thank you now ahead of time for what you'll do. In Jesus' name, amen. So, and I will say this, we can get too formal with this too. We, we sometimes act like we've got to be too formal with this is what that is. Amen. So, I don't want you to think that you've got to be stiff as a board. It's all right to relax in the Lord's house. So let's go over and pray. Let's ask God to bless the bread. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you, Lord, for, for what you did for us on the cross. Thank you, Lord, that you that you sacrificed yourself for you. You were a willing sacrifice. You're a lamb of God. Your body was laid down and nailed to that cross for me. He took those lashes of the whip for me. Lord, your bodies, no, no bones were broken, but your body was so so destroyed it didn't even look like a human anymore. Father, I'm so I'm so grateful, Lord, that you took my place. I'm thankful, Father, you sent Jesus to take my place, to take what I deserve, bear what I what I should have had on me. Lord God, I just pray now that as we get ready to receive these elements. Lord God, that we would, we would remember what you've done for us. We ask you in Jesus. Amen. Oh, ladies, thank you. Thank you. Come in here with us. Yeah, we'll get them done. Or I don't think about that. Tell them come on in.
said that in the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as he do it in remembrance of me. Father, I thank you for the blood of my Savior. And I realize that saving blood washes my sins away and makes me clean. Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And I realize the power of that blood, Lord, and not only cleaned me so long ago, it still keeps me clean, and it'll always keep me clean. When I've been in heaven for 10,000 years, that blood will still be just as fresh, and it's still cleansing from sin for eternity. And I'm so grateful for Jesus, so thankful that he laid his life down for me and for these folks and all that, all that have ever come to that fountain. And we're so grateful. And we give you praise and glory, and we want to thank you for it. Lord, we just want to honor you. Lord, help us to be better believers. Help us to 
uh, Lord, not just this week, but in the weeks to come, in the days to come, Lord, may we draw nearer and closer, and Lord, recommit ourselves to the house of God and to the service of God, and Lord, draw nearer to you in your word in our daily walk. Lord, please help us. We might honor you, so Lord, when we see you come, we'll be glad to see you. We'll be thankful and not ashamed. Lord God, I pray you bless us now as we leave in this place and go to our homes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Bible says, the Bible says that they, they sang a hymn. Let's stand our feet. I think it's number 124 in our book. If you want to turn there, it is. We're just going to sing the first stanza. So blessed be the tie that binds. And afterward we'll be dismissed. Bless me the time that by our hearts in Christian love. The Thank you. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. 
No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.